go. January 7th, 2021. Okay. We are, we are seven days into the new year. Right? What a year. And you're still there? What, what, yeah, what a what year. A year. What a year it's been. How, how are we feeling about the extended, um, the sequel to 2020? I, uh, one of the better sequels I've seen. I mean, in terms of just sheer entertainment value. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's been pretty wild. Who's this, you know, like, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of like surprised, but not surprised, right? It's definitely affecting my sartorial choices for 2021. What, yeah, what does that mean? Like the, like the bullhorn helmet. Uh, <laughs> You know, the, your uh, the choice black, of, yeah, the Velcro gloves, yeah, the black Velcro gloves, the um, mm. sort of the, the woolly tunic. Mm, yeah, it's very nice. It's very, um, it's very burning. It's very burning man. Yeah, very mm -hmm. burning man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I always knew those reason burning man creeped me out. I think it, I just had a premonition that it would result in this. <laughs> I mean, how cool is it to have Burning Man in inside uh, the Capitol? Like, let's be honest. Like, that is some next level fucking rave shit right there. Oh, yeah. I loved how they turn, like, the front law, you know, like, the, the White House lawn or the Rose Garden into La Playa. Yeah. <laughs> like, did, you know what? Screw Coachella. The next, the next evolution of outdoor festival is pretty much a Trump rally in the in the lawns of DC, and each stage has its own kind of vibe. You know, like I, I didn't really get the whole Viking vibe, but I guess that's a thing. You know? Yeah, I think it's like that white. You know, it's that like white. You know, the Nordic man as as white, you know, oh. as like emblematic of white supremacism. You know, that is interesting. I did not get that reference, but now it makes so much sense. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of, I don't know. This may be um, inappropriate to say, but you gotta imagine that, despite like kind of the despicable bigotry of it all, it's probably like pretty fun to like be in those like circles, right? They probably feel like, you know, they're on a mission, like they really believe in what they're doing. There's probably a camaraderie. Like, I mean, you know, you could say the same thing about like, you know, the Nazis are probably the same way. Uh-huh, uh-huh, keep going, they, like, sure. They, they, yeah, they, you know, they feel tied together, like, yet they're like all part, they're perpetrators of like the ugliest, most racist and anti, like democratic uh, force in life in a lot, like since World War II, basically. Okay, here's a question for you and our four listeners out there. Um, what do you think is the percentage of the folks that were there yesterday um, were classified like bona fide white supremacists? 
It's a good question. I, I, I just, you know, it's like, it's when you start to talk about shades of gray and, and like mental you know, health, like disorders, mm. then yeah, you wonder how many of those people are just like kind of just unsettled, you know, uh, true believers. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I want to say that less than half are what I would consider bona fide white supremacists. I think a good portion of them truly came as patriots. Right, right. Well, they're just being fed a bunch of bullshit, right? So if you get... Yeah. Like I, I think like if, like um, what's her face, Candace Owen was there in the lawn, you know, like she would be embraced or some, you know, right-wing conservative, like, you know, Asian, Christian, whatever. Like, I, I don't think, you know, unfortunately that whole sect is very monocultural, but I, yeah, I don't know. I think a good portion of them out there really truly believe that the election was stolen from them. And here I am just being a complete empath right now. I'm only just like taking the other side. I of think the that's the problem. Yeah, I think that's the problem. I think that we tend to be too empathic when it comes to like, you know, these, you know, we're trying too hard to understand what they're doing and why they're doing it instead of just like, crushing it you know what i mean just, I, you know i'd like be like china <laughs> yeah i just i just think that at some point it's like we you know because they don't care about what we think you know that there's an asymmetry that's too much in their favor is that we keep trying to think that we can change them where like what i saw yesterday now you know now you get into the whole like what would have happened if, if this was blm you know, on the steps mm-hmm, of the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And we know because we've seen the historical footage of like military standing there. But part of me, and, and I know this seems like super anti-democratic and maybe like bloodthirsty, but I was like kind of wanting the National Guard to come in and just like fuck some shit up. Right. Yeah. Like there, it was like this, there was a weird kind of bloodthirst that I had because of the anger I had about who, what they represent. And then, I don't know, you gotta kind of gut check that because that obviously also is part of the problem. Mm. Interesting. You didn't have that, huh? I found it so humorous and I was having a field day and there was a part of me where I was like, I'm, this is way, I'm like enjoying this way too much. Like I really did feel like I was watching a, like an episode of the the Kardashians. Like it was just a total hot mess shit show, you know? Yeah. Uh, I was kind of like, oh, now I've got something to do all day. Like I can just watch this for hours, just get unfold <laughs> and no, and like, like be completely, you know, indulgent in my anger. And, and it felt good somehow. You know, and I, I posted something online and someone's like, it's not funny, Esther. And I'm like, it is fucking hilarious. I am sorry. 
I am sorry that you do not find the demise of the American government and society when this has all pretty much been laid out on the on the cards and you don't find this humorous. I, I think I think you're taking this way too seriously. Way too seriously. I, I think it's good to take it seriously, but I also think it's good to laugh at it. You know? You have like, to, man. You have to. Yeah. You have to. I mean, it's, it's like it's a human coping mechanism. It's just the most, you know, like it's comedy plus tra it's tragedy plus sign equals comedy, right? But for some people, they just they cut out the time part, which I think is more efficient. I mean, it's just it's also just comical in the sense of like, I you know I have witnessed not you know in person, but just other kind of insurrection in third world countries. Right. And this is like pff, Disney World, you know? And that's the thing about it that I was like, y'all really thought you were gonna just go in there and have a coup when you have countries that are like Syria, <laughs> literally no running water for months, no electricity for months, where you have gang violence of you know Hezbollah and ISIS coming and murdering your family in broad daylight, like that gets people to really consider a coup. Okay, us. What do you think those guys just did after that? They're like, all right, let's go to Denny's. Good right. on us, guys. Good on us. We right. we went in there. We took some photos. We're gonna go to Denny's. Well, there's, there's also this like notion of what, what I find funny about it is that everyone's like, this was a coup, then an attempted coup. I was like, no, it was just like, it's just a physical space that completely kind of has no relevance in the larger scheme of things. Like, you know, like you could just find another place for all, you know, the institutions are just way, way, way deeper than a physical location. And I was kind of trying to think about how that's so analogous to like the whole, the whole thing about office space being completely irrelevant now during COVID. Like, hmm. like I just found it like an interesting analog that the physical space, although it's symbolic, it's kind of meaningless. Like you can't, you know, like in the old days, yeah, okay, you would occupy a palace and you chop the king's head off, or, you know. So are you saying, are you saying the Capitol Hill is like office space? Yeah, in a way, it's as it's kind of as irrelevant to government as office spaces to businesses now. Hmm. I mean, in that sense, I in yeah, I do agree that you know government has less and less of a play, you know, when it comes to law and order or the influence. I would say, you know, they're saying like right now the only thing that people have allegiance to are essentially like Apple, Google, Facebook, you know, these like multinational corporations that have a lot more power and influence than say the United States government, you know? Well, they do and they don't. Like, you know, I think it's just a different kind of power. I mean, US government still has pretty significant power you know, from a, uh, you know, in, in other ways. I was just talking more about the actual physical space 
Oh. <laughs> well, the institutions, because the institutions are still there and they're pretty, pretty powerful. Well, I think it's also just like the, the, the story. It's like going to church, you know, this kind of like the, the sacred halls of whatever, you know, it was like decimated by a bunch of hooligans that came and, I don't know, wrote a bunch of kill the media slogans on old Thomas Jefferson monuments, which again, like the punk rock in me is kind of like, that's kind of cool. <laughs> I can't lie. <laughs> right, oh right. You may not agree with their political sens sensibilities, but the fuck shit up part of you is like, you know, intrigued. So it's, 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 the halls were made by slaves. Like, let's be real. Like, it's just like what it is what it is. This is a bunch of concrete marble. Do you, do you um, have passion for those people? I do. I really yeah. do. I do. I feel like I feel like they have been pushed to a corner of a stereotype. I, I really believe it's like the same with any race or culture. You know, I you know, I think we spoke about it in our past podcasts. You know, this culture isn't really about like black or white or Democrats or Republican. It really is about the haves and the have nots. You know, like the reaction that I saw were a bunch of disenfranchised white folks that just felt like they have been kind of like pushed to a trailer park with their Walmart WIC stamps being like, yeah, you deplorables go over here. And the same is happening in the hood and the ghettos as well. Bunch of like disenfranchised black folks. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, we're living in a society where the gap of wealth is just beyond comprehensible. And I don't know, it's just like, there is no real sense of upward mobility when you're constantly fed this, the narrative of like, you're stupid, you're a racist, you know what? You know what I'm saying? Like it's just kind of to me, like I, I, I can, I could, I could empathize. I really can, you know. Well, Bob, Bob um, Dylan. I hate people that quote Bob Dylan, but here you go. Bob Dylan wrote it about it in the '60s as well. Like there's one song I think it's called "Pawn in Their Game." It's oh yeah. You know, like you know. I feel like poor white people are so easily manipulated by political leaders in ways that well, other- think, Yeah, because I, I believe there have been histories where the actual political system worked in their favor. So they have faith in, in a way- Absolutely. In, in as opposed to black and brown folks or minorities coming to this country as immigrants, like the government, we never really relied on the government for anything you know like always like the banking system for example like korean communities came to america in the 80s and they created uh, micro loans within their community no one got commercial loans from banks because they weren't getting those loans so it was very hyper localized within their cultural group and we just like koreans don't to this day i don't really trust the government just saying right and certainly you know, people in the black community don't either for, for other Absolutely. Well, I guess that's an interesting concept though, this notion that 
like this white rage is about them being disappointed in, in something that's, that previously had been there for them. Like it's almost like an abandonment syndrome. Mm. Yes, that is interesting. It's almost like, yes, like they're, they're, have you not noticed those footages of those people in Capitol Hill? It was like they were like acting out, like almost to a farce. You know, it was like almost like they did it just for the attention that we collectively as society are giving them. But they were almost like a hyperbole of themselves, like a, like a little child, like just having the craziest tantrum where you're just like, you are not like this normally. Like, what is happening here? Like, that's what I felt like the fucking dude with the Viking hat guys. Yeah, that just took it over the top. Like, and then they teenage rebellion right it's like this there was a woman in a bikini <laughs> right like what it's almost like they were playing a role you know yeah and we're all just suckers like just like you know like laughing like haha like look you know and i'm just thinking to themselves like like <laughs> i was saying to somebody earlier i'm like yo i bet you those guys were like youtubers like they're just like in there as like weird social media YouTubers that are like, hey guys, check me out. Because do you, like, it was just like such a phenomenon. Like it was such a phenomenon. I don't know. It's amazing. What a time to be alive. Is that kind of why you laugh at this hot, like concept of insurrection or, or like a coup? Like words like that being thrown around when, when. It's not, it, it is like, a, it's, that's my, my point is like, it's, we are not in a place where, again, we can go to the bathroom and flush the toilet, okay? Like, you know, we were all freaking out about toilet paper at one point, remember that? It's like, no, man, America has such a system in place where even the worst days of worst days is the best days in certain places of the world. You know, like, I just don't think we, I think Americans are way too comfortable like even like the poorest of poor people in this country is like richer than some kid in Cambodia. Yeah, poor people are obese. I mean, the, those people need to work out a lot more. I was like thinking like of all of like the, <laughs> like you guys need training by ISIS. You need to at least run four miles a day. Wait, wait, is, are, you, are you like kicking into Peloton brand ambassador mode right now? always um you know you got to get a peloton like if you really want to be down with the revolution like you gotta at least like work on yourself eat healthy drink water you should talk to the execs at peloton about a very niche marketing campaign for, for the trump supporters yeah for like you know be like guys guys if you want to take over the u.s government i have a whole training program 30 days we're going we're gonna to talk about wellness, fitness, getting your mind right for the insurrection. You can't spell insurrection without Peloton. <laughs> well, there's no P in insurrection, but okay. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Um, Anyways, that was pretty interesting. That was very, very, uh, very illuminating. Thanks. How was your um? How was your New Year's Day? New Year's days so far. 
Mr. Ben. Oh, dude, it was uh, my New Year's. Well, my New Year's Eve was me, Clifford Brown, my dog. Okay, uh, your dog. Yeah. Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen. Oh yeah. That was it. Um, I can tell you respectfully that I was uh, I was on antibiotics leading up to New Year's New Year's Day. And it was the first time in my adult life that I did not drink on New Year's Eve. Me too. I didn't drink either. Oh, fist bump. Wow. Um, and I felt great about it. Like I like woke up the next day, like, God damn, like straight up, like did not have to drink on New Year's Eve. Well, I'm in day seven. I'm day, day seven of my alcohol-free streak. I'm doing and? this, uh, you know, I, I want to do like a 30 day kind of thing. And so I, I, uh, I have this, I joined this program called the Naked Mind, which is, it's kind of interesting. It's like every day they give you programming that like tell you about, they tell you about alcohol and what it does to you. And it's not like AA where they're like, you know, you, you know, this is for, you know, people that are never going to drink again, but it's like, Hey, look, give it 30 days, learn about what alcohol does to your body. And then whatever, do whatever you want after 30 days, but the education is good. It'll be good for you. You'll get a detox or whatever else. And, Lose some uh, weight, yeah. Yeah. And um, so there's, there's this forum where, uh, you know, people post stuff and it's like a lot of it's like very, you know, people are going through some shit, right? Like, yeah, right. you know, I drink a little bit more than I should, but you know, some of these, I mean, people are like, and yesterday, so I, I decided to post something on um, on on the uh, on the private group right yesterday, which mm. was, I wrote. You know, is, is the world always this crazy when you're sober enough to pay attention? <laughs> okay. Dude, I got like 800 comments and like 3,000 likes, and my post got flagged for political content, and it got, <gasps> it got removed. Stop it. Because I was triggering people, apparently. You were like Donald Trump on Twitter. Yeah. I was like, I was like the Donald Trump of the sober world. <laughs> well, what were the reactions? I'm like fascinated. What were I people saying? Of, oh, dude, there was, you know, there was a lot of people that were like, you know, laughing and making snidey like comments. And then there were some people that were like, you know, I feel so, you know, people genuinely were triggered by yesterday and a lot of people are really struggling to not drink because of it. Right. It's right. This, I mean, it's this, you know, I've been to AA meetings with like friends of mine who've been gone through it. And, and mm -hmm. so I've kind of seen this before, but it's super interesting to be engaged in that like day to day and really get like immersed in that whole world. I mean, it's such a like subculture. Hmm. It, it is also a culty it has like a very culty aspect to it once you break the the like the levels right because it's in in some like I know a lot of sober friends and they get very like like illuminati sometimes where I'm just like oh someone's speaking code right now well, a lot of people need it, right? Because for a lot of people, especially I think mm. when it becomes so disruptive to their lives, it's like, it's hard, you know, they need, they, you know, they, they kind of, 
I guess they need that to keep reminding, you know, they're convincing themselves of these tenets that they need in order to, to not start drinking again. I think that's the way a lot of people are. Because for a lot of people, it gets to a point where it's, you know, it's fucking savage, right? It just like cuts Well, I, yeah, I, they completely lose their, their willpower. Cause it's like, it's like, oh, I can only have, you know, like having a glass of wine with a meal. That's not a crime. You know, if, if anything, it's just like another enjoyment of the palate, but then it's like, okay, two bottles in and you're just like, okay, where does that, where does it go wrong? Oh, that's why, <laughs> you the, know, the DSM five or whatever version of the DSM is out, right? You know, the DSM is right. Um, no, it, 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 it's like the diagnostic manual of like, uh, um, uh, like psychiatric and other conditions, right? I think it's called the Diagnostic uh, Symptoms Manual. Anyway, it cat categorizes mental health disorders and other afflictions and diseases and like that, particularly behavioral and psychological. So the DSM no longer has the term alcoholic. That doesn't exist. Oh, interesting. Yeah. What is even, it, what's the term? It's not a thing. I learned this on day five, by the way. Um, it's not actually a scientific thing anymore. It's a, um, so there's now alcohol abuse disorder and it's a fucking spectrum. Like it goes, oh. and it's just a matter of how far on the spectrum you are. Like, you know, let's face it. You and I are probably stage one, you know, like of that disorder that like we drink too much. Who says, dude? <laughs> my bar <laughs> some other guests that we've had on the on this uh, podcast are stage beyond stage one and and you know i'm sure we know who they are so what were they so okay what is what have you learned from all of this like what triggers you to drink what triggers you to drink too much what triggers you to be like, okay, I need to stop. Like, have you learned a lot about your trigger points based on the fact that you haven't had a drink in seven days? Yes, yeah, some, I think I just get bored and <laughs> I'm just fucking bored. Oh, you're like Clifford Brown, but the human version. I'm like the human version of Clifford Brown, yeah. You're just like, shiny objects, go. Go, go. Yeah, pretty much, I'm all in, you know? Um, yeah, I think I get bored. I think that I- So you drink because you're bored? Is that like a thing? I think so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, wow, I, fascinating. But, but I think that, you know, I mean, I've done these like 30, 60 day cleanses before and, and I have just as much fun. And like in some ways, I have hmm. more fun. I'm forced to, you know, my, my brain has to adapt to trying to have fun in situations that I'm not used to. Right, right. Well, I mean, for me, it's interesting because, you know, I'm all about like the energy frequency vibe categories. Right. I am a social drinker, heavy through and through. Like, I don't, I have a great bar at my house. Fucking touch it, maybe once every five months. Yeah, I don't drink at home. I mean, I, I unless people are over, I, I never drink. Right. Myself. And part of me drinking with other people is that you're kind of starting to vibe on their levels once like 
you know, kind of the, the it kicks in, right? So I've seen some amazing interactions and connections when people are on, it's like getting high with somebody, right? Whether it's weed or anything, it's like you're vibing, you're on the same, like you're feeling it, you're feeling it, you know? And so that's the thing that I would, be remiss if I'm at a social gathering and everyone's like drinking shots of tequila or getting a, you know a hit and you're just kind of like how can I recreate that vibe right now through my internal dopamine system I have not perfected that yet sadly right right and then it become and and, and I think then you just leave the party because you're just like oh, I'm not feeling it peace yeah yeah, I mean, that's how I've traditionally felt, which is why I, I ended up drinking, because, you know, I, I want to get on that same vibe and on that level. Um, but then I also think it's nice to, to cleanse your system sometimes. It's nice to detox, you know, and, and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing right now. And you hang out with sober people. Uh, no, because I've, I've hung out with drunk people, and I've, it's actually quite, it's been interesting, because, like, you're, you're completely entering that world from a different perspective and like it, it offers you a different view of it are you, you judging know? them quietly <laughs> i am just super jelly as fuck that they're drinking oh. or not fair enough fair enough no judging so me. that's exciting that's exciting okay sober was a dry january very dry nice january. dry january what yeah. other what other great new year's eve or new year's resolution have you um explored then how about you oh so much so much oh that means, i'm sure you'll accomplish all of them <laughs> thank you i will i will indeed um go on then these uh, for me, it's the same. It's the same, you know. Just, you know, doing like uh, my usual fitness journeys, you know, trying to, you know, maximize my potential in all fields. And I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited to meet new people. You know, I I enjoy meeting new people. Have you seen the latest kind of like um, campaign by what's his name, Mayor Suarez? and trying to make uh, Silicon Beach a reality this year? You know, I, I was really skeptical of that. And I, I was like, this is, this is the political equivalent of rolling up in front of Liv in, your, in like your short-term <laughs> rental Ferrari and coming out with like three models. That's kind <laughs> of the way I was viewing it. But now, that is the greatest analogy ever. Sorry, yeah. go on. But now, like, I'm actually talking to people, and it's kind of happening. Like, there's serious people starting to come here from, from the Valley. And it used to be that we, you know, like, Miami was, as a tech prospect, it was like, well, there's all this creative energy, all these founders, and, yeah, you know, but there's no money here. So, therefore, it'll never become the ecosystem. Now, what I'm hearing from people that are, like, more steep in this world than I am that there's actually more money now than there is, you know, than there are serious like targets and serious founders. But, you know, I, I think that if the money is here, you know, the, the, the founders will come. And one thing that I thought was really interesting is I was having lunch with a friend of mine who, who is a, um, 
who has a tech company um, that just closed a, a VC round in, in the Bay Area. Mm. She was telling me that there's nothing hotter right now in the tech world than a Miami founder. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Right? Well, I, I definitely think, you know, I agree with you. Maybe Silicon Beach, that term five years ago was a little bit too, you know, yeah, showing up with uh, in a rental in front of live. But COVID really changed shit up. I mean, the fact that like 80% of condos right now have been occupied for short-term leases from folks coming out of New York and California really has chipped, like shifted the paradigm altogether. Like I just started going into this weird black hole on Twitter, following all these like guys, like this guy, Keith Rabo, who just came down here and started opening a new firm, you know, and like all of these like, you know, VC guys are just like taking my talents to South Beach. Like it's real because from what I understand, San Francisco is on fire, like literally on fire and also figuratively. Like there is no law and order in that city. So I do feel like a lot of people, because now you can work anywhere, like remote, like you said, office spaces are just like obsolete. Right. It is interesting. I really do see this weird like shift. I read some crazy statistic that um, 250,000 new residents in Florida this past year. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, and if you look, if you were to ch like chip away at that and try to figure out what their income brackets or their, you know, net asset. Insane. Insane. I mean, you know, we're talking insane about money, people with resources. Dude, like the housing market in where I live, insane. Yeah. A house can't even be on the market for less than a week, just picked up. I'm just like, what? And I have a realtor friend and he's pretty much says, he gets a call from one New Yorker once a week, at least asking for like single family homes. Not so, madness. so yeah, I mean, that's exciting for Miami for the new year. That's something I'm looking forward to is meeting some really rich VCs. <laughs> Invest in me guy. Wait, Invest what? in this podcast. Oh yes. <laughs> Take us to the next level. Or a level. Yeah, a level. Any level. What's going on with your projects? You can't talk about that on the podcast. All right, whatever. Um, uh, what, what else can we like, what else can we wrap up this like, you know, faux episode to kind of get our uh, kickstart our... Uh, or the, the podcast again. I don't know. I think uh, I think we need some some guests. Well, we will definitely we had a lull. Apologies to our audience. We really fucking lost lost the plot for at least a month. Well, you know, judging by the quality of the content we just generated over the last 40 minutes, I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked that more people uh, haven't stepped up to uh, be guests. Yeah, I mean, I I will say, you know, it was it was just it was it was quite disheartening. But you know, we 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 prevailed. Twenty twenty one, we're like, nope, we're going to continue this journey. 
onward and forward. I know. Am I right? Yes. This feels like a test reel. <laughs> it's smart. It's our VC pitch. Okay. Okay. We're we're sending this to a couple what, uh, you know angel investors. Give the uh, the TFP elevator pitch. Go ahead. Yes. Yes. Nice. Sponsored oh. by. No, but go ahead. Give, give give me the elevator pitch for the TFP. Um, TFP, the podcast that's fake, but not really. Brilliant. I don't know. Okay. Um, so yeah, man, I don't know. I think we're, we're off to the races. Okay, cool. Let's make, it Let's make it happen. Let's crush this shit. Um, well, here's to, a, a, a hopefully a very calm year. I don't know, right? It's probably not going to be that calm. No, no. Um, here's to uh, Viking horns. Yes, here's to Viking horns. Here's to hopefully Burning Man will start back up so all of those guys can go to La Playa instead of Capitol Hill. You know? Yeah. Um, and here's to maybe dry February. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see February 1, 12 1 a.m. <laughs> yeah, happy hour. <laughs> <laughs>